Amen. Merry Christmas, River Bluff. All right. I'm Dean Enfinger, and I get to tell you a little bit about our special Christmas offering. It's a wonderful tradition that we have here at River Bluff where we give to those that are in need. And you know that feeling, the feeling you, you get the joy and satisfaction when you give that perfect gift, and it's so appreciated, and they're so excited. You've got that chance to do it tonight. We have our our brothers and sisters in Ambato, Ecuador. We've teamed up with First Baptist Church in Ambato, Ecuador, uh, and Jonathan Constantine, who's the pastor there, and they're in great need. You know, they've been shut down, and they'll be shut down longer than we are, and the first need that they have is just food. Um, we want to provide so they can get some groceries for their people and maybe some of the people that are living on the street, and secondly, we'd like to give them the ability to do live stream, which we're doing right now. So we're going to take up this offering. As you leave, you'll see the baskets in the back of the church. You can drop off your gifts there. And for those of you that are online, at the bottom of that little window where you see our service, uh, in, the, in the description, there's a link where you can go online and give. And in the other column, just put Ecuador. Uh, it's not the comments, it's the description section. So join me as we, we pray for this offering. Father, we, we thank you for this season when you, our greatest gift, came into the world. And Lord, you, you've asked us to love God and love others. And this is such a great way that we can love others that are in need at this time of year. Father, I just pray your blessings on this. I pray your blessings on each and every person here and those that are online tonight. Lord, I just pray that you move in their hearts in a powerful way. And Lord, we, we celebrate your birth. We celebrate the fact that, that we have a little bit that we can give. So Lord, just bless this offering, bless this gift in Jesus' name. Amen. Joe, have a seat and take a look at this video. There was this girl named Mary. She loved God and she loved cleaning stuff up. But one day, an angel appeared. Mary was so surprised. And kind of scared. But the angel said, don't be scared. You're going to have a baby. And Mary said, How can I have a baby? I'm not married. But the angel said, It's all right. They will be God's son, Jesus. Mary was supposed to marry a guy named Joseph. She said to him, Look, I'm going to have a baby. Joseph was pretty surprised, too because he didn't know how to be a dad. But he wanted to take good care of the mom and the baby. Joseph and Mary had to go on a long trip to a town called Bethlehem. It was okay. Because okay. Joseph made sure that Mary didn't have to walk by herself. When they got to Bethlehem, 
It was so full of people. Nobody had room for them. They tried one place. And then the other place. At the last place, the guy started to say no. But then he said, wait. I've got a place for you out back. But you gotta be okay with animals. There weren't even any beds. But it was nice and warm. When Mary had Jesus, they wrapped him in cloth and put him in the animal's food dish. No one else knew about Jesus yet. But there were some shepherds just outside of town. And some angels showed up. The shepherds were like, oh no, what's happening? And the angel said, don't be scared. I have something really, really awesome to tell you. God sent Jesus as born. He's in Bethlehem. He's all wrapped up in a blanket. So like they were super excited. So he got everyone together and ran to find Jesus. They were really glad when they found the right place. They were like, is this where Jesus is? And Mary let them come in. They even got to hold and cuddle the baby. Sometime later, there are kings living far away from Jesus. God sent them a special star. The kings followed the special star a long way. A really long way. A really, really long way. The stars showed where Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus were. They even brought special presents for baby Jesus. Did everybody have a party? Because they were so glad that God sent baby Jesus. That night was the best night ever. It 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 was the best night ever. I think I've seen that video 13 times. It's never not funny. <laughs> uh, so as they said in the video, as our, our River Kids said, it was the best night ever. So we wanna continue that spirit. So go ahead and stand up with us, always sing joy to the world.
Let he who has ears hear the word of the Lord. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This is the word of the Lord. Son of man, the 
time together by turning on my microphone. Let's pray together. Father, we come giving thanks for this night. The night before the day of the celebration of your coming as God in the flesh, taking on humanity to show us what humanity should look like. And so we come this evening, Lord, giving thanks, giving thanks that you would come, that you would bless us, that you would show us what God is really like. And so, Jesus, we want to honor you this evening. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We have been celebrating Advent all month, and we have kept the, the candles of hope and peace and joy, uh, and I just forgot the next one, love, and I talked about it all last Sunday. Thank you. We've, we've kept those burning, and we want to, tonight, we want to light the Christ candle, because without, without the Christ, without Jesus, there really would be no hope. We would not know the peace of God. We'd not really have anything to have joy in. And love would not be defined as fully as it is in Christ. And so tonight, I, I want us to take some moments to, to, to just kind of open our hearts and minds. Now, if you're visiting with us for the very first time, um, my name is Joe still. I'm uh, one of the pastors here, privileged to, to, to be that. I want to say welcome. I want to say whether you're joining us in person or whether you're online, uh, we want you to know you can always come as you are here at River Bluff uh, because God, God accepted us when we were, I started to say when we were still yet a mess. We're still a mess. Um, all of us are still kind of messy. And so we, we just say come as you are. Uh, we, we, you're welcome here uh, because that's the way Jesus has welcomed all of us. And we, we want you to know that with Jesus, it's okay to, to recognize that maybe you are a mess, and he understands that we live in this messy world. Now, as I was doing some searching, uh, I, I started telling people Merry Christmas the last Sunday of Thanksgiving, uh, that, that weekend right after, after Thanksgiving, and uh, tried to encourage everybody to say Thanksgiving, I mean, Merry Christmas as much as you, you could between that day and, and tomorrow, and one of the things I did, I went online to look for, you know, different kinds of Christmas greetings. And uh, I came across many, but this one kind of caught me off guard. Can you see this picture? Can you bring that picture up? Maybe it's not going to be there. Um, maybe it's just going to be stuck. Drum roll? Nope. Cheryl, we having a problem up there? We're having a problem. Okay. We're having a little bit of a problem, I think. Um, anyway, it was a picture of the word Merry Christmas. There we go. But when I read it, just glanced at it for the first time, I thought the R's were S's. And I thought it said Messy Christmas, which would be appropriate this year. Don't you think? I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's just, it's messy. It's a, it's a messy Christmas. And I, I think that accurately speaks to that. And uh, honestly, this is how messy Christmas is this year. You know, we, we do 
candlelight and carol and communion. And um, tonight, you're actually going to douse because we don't want you blowing your candles out. You're actually going to snuff out your candle with your communion cup. How messy is that? I mean, seriously, so save your communion cup. Don't crunch it up or toss it because you're going to need it at the end of the service. Um, because it's just it's this crazy, kind of messy Christmas. So what do you do when Merry Christmas ends up messy? What, what, what do you do? Well, one of the things that I love about Jesus is you don't ever have to pretend. You don't have to pretend that you're not a mess when you really are a mess. You just, you come to Jesus as you are. You just, now, now here's what you need to do. You need to come open and willing to see the good things that God wants to do even in your messy state because God wants to do lots of good things. He does his best work uh, with a big mess. And I, I want us to think about that this evening as we think about the gifts that Jesus brought when he came that first Christmas. And I believe there's a passage of scripture, a chapter in the Bible that really best addresses what happens when things get messy. Um, and I want to take you there. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Many of you, it's a favorite chapter. It's Romans chapter 8. And there are lots of beautiful gifts in Romans chapter 8, but there's five that I want us to think about tonight. And they're actually um, the nose of God. Now, not the N-O-S-E of God, not, not this, but the N-O-E-S of God. There are some ways that God says no in this chapter that I, I want you to see. And I've been praying this for you. I've been praying these five no's over you, uh, and you didn't even know that yet. Um, but this is what I've been praying. I want to share this. First of all, I've been praying that you would have a no-condemnation Christmas, that that's what you would have. Now, this year in particular, I've heard many people, including myself, kind of have to backtrack and wish I hadn't done something. I wish I hadn't said something that may have offended somebody. I, I, I wish that during the political turmoil, I had kept my mouth shut more. Maybe not sending out a tweet or whatever, you know, that can get you in trouble in, uh, in, in that world. You know, th there, there were times I'd find myself without my mask and wishing I, I, I needed that, you know. And so there's this, this thing, this phrase that keeps coming up is if only. If only I had done this differently. If only I hadn't spoken that unkind word. If only I had kept that tweet to myself. If only. If, if only. And it's pretty easy to kind of find yourself getting in this mindset of being self-condemning uh, and just kind of being miserable in it if you kind of get stuck in that if-only pattern. But I want you to hear what Romans, how, the, how this chapter starts. God's Word says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Now, sure, you've still made mistakes. Sure, you've, you've got sin, you've blown it. Um, but that, that kind of regret that leads to self-condemnation is not the answer. So often, too often, what happens, if you stay stuck there, what's going, what you're going to find out is you think everybody else sees you that way. And you eventually start thinking, well, that's how God sees me. God, God sees me this way. And so you, you just have this message that's flowing over, over your heart. But there's this truth from God's word in, in Romans chapter 8. And it's saying God, God is not angry with you if you're in Christ. 
God's not angry with you. He loves you. So there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In the book of Psalms, we read this about God. It says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. God, God gets the stuff we're made of. He knows how we're, we're made. He knows our weaknesses. He has compassion for us. He, he has compassion for you even in the places where you struggle with sin. The Bible says that God is a, is a really good shepherd. He's not the kind of shepherd that, you know, finds a sheep that had wandered off and got stuck in the, you know, the thistle or whatever. He doesn't walk up and say, dumb sheep, and try to kick the sheep out of the thistle. He, he gently untangles the sheep. He, he loves them. He tries to care for them. He, he, he sets out to rescue them because God's a good shepherd. And so because of who God is, maybe here's a radical thought. The next time you find yourself kind of stuck in sin, instead of looking for a lightning bolt, why don't you look for God's tender mercy? Because that's what he wants to bring to you. Listen how Jesus described himself. He said this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He didn't want to condemn Jesus didn't come to condemn. Jesus came to save, not to condemn us. He was on this great rescue mission. That's what his life was about. And his love compelled him to see that mission all the way through, all the way through his persecution, all the way through his crucifixion, so that you and I would not be condemned. Jesus allowed his his hands to be pierced, he allowed that because he gave his life for you on the cross. He took the hurt so that he could bring healing to you, for, for forgiveness to you. So here's the, the really big question right here. If God doesn't, if God's not going to condemn you, if he's not going to do that, why would I condemn myself? Why wouldn't I want to live in, trapped in that? Because that's what it is. It's a trap that people get caught up in. You know, they, they think, well, God's going to punish me, and so I'll just go ahead and start punishing myself. Or you think, well, God hasn't punished me, but I deserve it. And, and that cycle is an attempt to pay for something that you can't pay for. There's no way that you can pay your way out of that. You can't pay God back through, you know, self-punishment. Can't be done. That's why Jesus tells us that what we need to do, instead of going down this path of self-condemnation, is, is to confess. It's confession. Condemnation and confession are not the same thing. Con- confession is just being honest to God. It's just saying, God, here's, here's the truth about me. And then turning away from those sins, those, those failures, and turning to, to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I realize I'm, I, I'm this mess. And then you wait to experience the flood of forgiveness that Jesus wants to, to bring. Condemnation is kind of expecting that somehow if I put myself down, it'll lift me up. And it never, it'll never do that. Condemnation never brings about real change. How many of you have ever been nagged? How much change does that bring in your life? That's what condemnation is. It, it, it will never ultimately bring the lasting kind of change. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's why God's word says that, you know, wants you to understand this. Now, here's the question. How can you know that you're in Christ? How can you know that you're in Christ Jesus? It's really simple. You invite him into your life. 
You, you just extend to him an invitation, a, a sincere, personal invitation for him to come into your life. Some of you have heard the verse uh, in Revelation chapter 3, uh, verse 20, and where Jesus is saying, I stand at the door knocking, and if any man will open the door and invite me in, I will come in. And I will fellowship with him. I will, I will be with him. See, when you invite Jesus into your life, then he comes and you are in Christ. And in fact, I, I would encourage you, if you've never done that, you can do that now. You could just say, say Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you just want to refresh that prayer. Maybe your fellowship with Jesus has not been all that you want it to be. And you just want to say, Jesus, I'm swinging the door open wide. I, I, I'm inviting you in. I recognize that there are places I, I need forgiveness that only you can give. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Jesus, I need your leadership. You can just make that prayer to him right now. You can just say, Jesus, I need you. I, I turn away from trying to rule my life. I want you to rule it. Thank you that you would. And then he comes. He comes in. And you're in Christ. And you just, you just thank him. And you, and you worship him. You adore him. Jesus, come into my life. That's all you got to do is say that with a sincere heart that wants to turn. And then you can have a no condemnation Christmas. Another prayer that I want to pray for all of us out of this passage in Romans chapter 8 is a no fear Christmas. A, a no fear Christmas. Now, I, I know that's been a great challenge this year. There, we, we've all kind of faced all kinds of different fears, floods of fears, so many changes in our lives that create fear and confusion. But I want you to listen to this promise from Romans chapter 8, verse 15. It says, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoptions as sons and, and daughters whom we cry, Abba, Father. God didn't give us this, this spirit of fear. We, we have lots of those right now, but they're not from God. God's word says those fears actually enslave us. They, they, these fears can, you know, just, just capture us. It could be fears from our past. It could be anxieties. It could be failures that, that we have. And, and Romans 8 tells us that if we're a child of God, that God gives his children his spirit. He puts his spirit in us, his, his Holy Spirit. And it gives you a new relationship with God. And now you have the power to break those chains of fear. You can overcome that fear. Christmas has always been about letting go of fear. Pastor Kurt read this just a, a moment ago in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. It's the angel said, fear not. I bring you good news of, of great joy. And joy is that thing that you feel when you've been set free from fear. How many of you, when, when you were a kid, remember going off the high dive for the very first time? You know, the very first time. There was this fear, but then there was that jubilation when you came. It, it, it was probably fear until you hit the water. But that jubilation when you came back out of the water. You understand what that joy is like to overcome a, a fear. It's, it's exhilarating. Or maybe when you, when you share something about yourself, maybe a hurt, maybe a hang-up, maybe, maybe a habit that nobody knows about in your life, and you're, you're afraid to share that, but you finally share that, you have breakthrough, and there's great, there's great joy. 
when you face that kind of fear. Maybe that, that fear that you've had of sharing your personal faith in Jesus with someone, and you do it for the very first time, and you get to see someone trust Jesus, and there's this incredible exhilaration of joy that, that comes. Now, here's the thing that I, I hope you notice that the angel said. The angel said, fear not, for I bring you. Most of us think that we can manufacture joy. Joy has to be brought to you. If, if you think you can work hard for it, you're going to miss the joy boat. Because the truth is, joy cannot be created from within. It can only be brought from above. That's the only way joy is going to come. And the angel said, I give you good news of great joy. And, and here's the truth about, about that great joy. It's going to be personal. It's going to be personal. You know, if you come to me and say, you just won a million dollars. Well, I'm going to think, well, that's good news. But if you come to me and said, Joe, you just won a million dollars, that's great joy, baby. Because that's personal. You know, there's a difference here. That's great joy. And that's what making this good news personal is. It brings great joy. See, it's personal to God to bring you into his family so that you can call him father. And in Christ, we have this relationship with, with God as father. And it begins to break those chains of fear and you get to experience joy. And I pray this Christmas, you have a no condemnation, no fear Christmas. A third thing that I see in Romans 8 that is a great no is a no to spare Christmas. And I'm praying this for you. You know, one of the things that happens at Christmas, there are a lot of Christmas wishes. You know, I, I wish you a Merry Christmas. All kinds of wishes. And the, those things are nice. But, friends, we need more than wishes this year. We, we, need, we need hope. Because hope is the only thing that will drive despair away. And there's a, there's a gigantic difference between wishing and true hope. There's just this huge difference. Wishes are what I want to happen. Hope is what God guarantees will come to pass. Those are two different things. Having wishes is okay. It's not a, it's not a bad thing. But when they don't come true, sometimes it gets us off, off kilter. You know, we can have wishes, but we must have hope. Without hope, people fall into despair. And here's the deal about hope in God is it always comes true. Hope in Jesus will never, ever disappoint you. Isaiah chapter 49 tells us this. You will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. That, that hope is the kind of hope that God wants to give you. He wants you to have this Christmas. Romans 8 verse 25 tells us that you can have real hope. And when you have this real hope, it'll actually change you. It'll give you something called patience because that's what hope does for us. Now, the truth is, everybody in the world is having to wait these days. We are all, we, uh, we all just kind of find ourselves stuck waiting, waiting on this pandemic to end, waiting for the great mask burning partay. We're going we're gonna to have a mask burning partay. It's, it's going to be it's going to be incredible. We're, but the world's waiting. The world's waiting. Now, 
The difference between wishing and hoping is wishing, I, I, can't, I can't be patient when i just wishing for things because I want to try to control it. I want to I make it happen. I get anxious as to whether or not it's going to happen. But hope, what I put my hope in, I can be confident that it's going to happen because it's a promise from God. And in God's promises, I can be patient. I trust him for the timing because God, God is going to deliver. It's settled. It's certain. It's a done deal. And I just trust that God's going to handle it because I know that what he says will happen will happen. And those are the things that I, I put my hope in. Now, this year, COVID-19 has reminded the entire world that it, this place we live, this globe we inhabit, is a broken place. It is just a broken place. And as Christ followers, one of the things that we're looking forward to, we're, we're hoping, because Jesus said he's going to do it, we're hoping towards an eternity with Jesus where there's no brokenness. In that perfect place that he, when he left and went to heaven, he said he was going to prepare for us. He's working on that. And this is hope. And this hope frees you up. Maybe you're here this evening, maybe you're joining us online, and you need to be set free from some pressures this year. I've had a couple of conversations with people who are working real hard to try to make this Christmas perfect, to try to, you know, wipe out the pain of the whole year. You're not going to be able to do it, folks. Just, just give up on trying to have that perfect Christmas experience. See, I, my prayer is, is that we can kind of shift our hearts towards, towards thinking that whatever happens this Christmas happens, the good or the bad, but here's what I can know. I can know I have hope in Jesus, and it'll never let me down. And ultimately, everything's not just going to be okay. Ultimately, everything's going to be glorious. It's a hope that gives you patience. It's a hope that gives you strength. It's a hope that drives despair away. And so I'm praying that this Christmas, that you'll move from just wishes to great hope. I know some of you are probably thinking as he's talking about hope, it's been a tough year. He doesn't know how bad it's been. And I know that some of you may feel like that, you know, you don't have it in your heart to have hope right now. You're, you're, you just don't feel like there's a place in your heart. And if that's you tonight, I, I just want to say this. Uh, Start here. There's a place to start if that's you. Psalm 34, 18. You may want to write this down if that's you. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He saves those who have lost all hope. If you have lost all hope and you're here this evening, whether in the room or online, I, I, I want you to, here's what you need to do. You need to tell God. You just need to go to God and say, God, I am so discouraged God, I have lost, I've lost all uh, hope. God, I'm, I'm, I'm despairing. And here's what his word promises. His word promises that he will come near to you. He will save you. So I'm praying you have hope, a hope-filled, no-despair Christmas. Now, as I've been praying through, through these no's, uh, I've been I've just come to the place where this fourth one is the one that I really, I really believe we, we need the most. I, I believe we've got to be captured by this. And, and it's this. I'm praying that you and I will have a no-withholding Christmas. A no-withholding Christmas. So important in our lives right now. See, 
one of the things that happens uh, at this time of year anyway, naturally, is that everything gets compounded. Now, during COVID, everything has been compounded. But most of us know this. Around holidays, um, everything gets you know, exponentially compounded. So if, let's say this year, you've had a, a, a new baby born in your family. Well, Christmas will be like filled with a whole different kind of joy. But if you've had a great loss... Christmas may be more sorrowful than it's ever been for, for you before. It, it, it just compounds these things. So if you've got sorrow from last year, this Christmas may be harder to bear. And the pandemic, of course, has caused all of us to have to, to bear things. It, it, it turns volumes. I mean, it just turns the volume up on, on our problems in our lives. And so that's why receiving this gift this promise from God is so important in Romans 8, 28. Many of you know it. I love this verse. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good, for those who love him and, and have been called according to his purpose. So when you think about this and you think, well, what's, what, what could possibly good be good about our problems? Well, nothing. Nothing can be good about our problems. And that's, that's not even the right question. It's, a, it's the wrong question to ask. Uh, there's nothing good about our problems. They're, they're terrible. The problems you're facing, they're, they're, they're horrible. They're evidence, however, that there is evil still in this world. And so it's not so much as, you know, do, do I have problems? The, 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 the good question is, what's good through my problems? What, what's going to be good through my problems? That's the right question to ask because here's the deal. Even when you don't see it, God is working miracles around you every single day. He takes evils and problems. He takes suffering, and he miraculously can transform them into good things for us. And this is why I think this is so important right now. And I want to take a, just a moment to unpack this verse a little more fully this verse tells us, and we're going to do this phrase by phrase, it tells us that in all things, not some things, but, but in all things, God is doing something. That in, in everything, any and everything that's going on in your life, even your failures, even your mistakes, even your sins, as you give them to him, God can do something with those. And it says all things. It doesn't matter what you're facing. Then it says in all things, God works. God, God, God's at work. It, it, it's, if you think it's you doing the work, this, this is going to fall apart. It's not luck that, that does the work. It's not, um, it's not good fortune that accomplishes this work. It's God at work. And he is everywhere working around you for, for your good. See, God is working in your life even when you don't see him. And it tells us, this verse does, what God is working to do for the good. Now, here's what that means. That means God is not working for your desires. Does anybody other than me in this house still have desires that aren't always good? You know, I, I do. Sometimes they're, they're not good. So God's not working for my desires. I thought they were good, but later found out some of them weren't. So he's, he's working for the good, not your good, not, not my good, not even what some people would call the greater good. God is working all things for, for his good, what he says is good. And he has good for you in mind. And two of the, 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 the biggest things that God has in mind that he's working good into your life are First of all, your personal growth. 
God wants you to grow to be more like Jesus. So here's a question. Have you grown more spiritually since last Christmas? Have you grown to be more like Jesus over, over this past pandemic year? See, that's part of the great good that God, God is doing. You know, he's, he, he, he's doing that. I, I don't know if you saw this latest report, but those who are attending church regularly, participating in worship regularly, this is some mental health organization did a study, and people who are doing that are much less affected by the, the impact of the pandemic than those who don't. They're experiencing good mental health as they worship God regularly. It's one of the ways that God is still at work. You know, if you haven't been experiencing growth, it's not too late. Just go to God and say, God, I want to be more like Jesus. Help me. And he's going to be working in those ways. Another way that, that, that he is working is so that people come to faith in him for the very first time. People trusting him. And there's a lot of that going on around us. People putting their, their trust in God. So what that means is it's not too late if you haven't to share your personal faith with someone, somebody that's far away from God but close to you that needs to hear about Jesus, you can be a part of this great work of God that's going on in the middle of the, th- this pandemic. You can be a part of that. May- maybe what you need to do to, this evening when you go home is you need to call. Maybe the Holy Spirit will put somebody on your heart that you think, I, I just, I'm supposed to connect with them. Maybe you can just call them and check on them. Maybe you can call them and invite them to, to, to watch the service um, on YouTube later. Maybe you could stay on the phone and y'all could watch it together. I don't know. What the Holy Spirit leads you, but it, it, get in the game of the work that God is doing all around. Give, give somebody Jesus this year. God, God is working for good. And then look at who this verse says that God is working for the good for. For those who love him. This promise isn't for, for everyone. It's, it's a promise only for those who love Jesus. That's, that, that, that commitment that maybe you prayed earlier, or maybe that recommitment, saying, Christ, I need your forgiveness. I need you in my life. I want you to be a leader in my life. What that means is this verse is for you now. It wasn't for you if you, if you hadn't trusted Christ, but it's for you now. But I intentionally skipped the best, the, what I think of as the best part uh, of this verse. It's the first couple of words of Romans 8, 28. And we know. We know. You, you, can, you can know that God is at work because he loves you. you it's something that you, you can have certain knowledge of. He's proved his love for us on Calvary's cross when he gave his life there. Just a few verses down from Romans 8, 28 is Romans 8, 32, and it says this. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? What that verse is saying there, God is not going to withhold anything good from you. No withholding. God didn't even withhold his own son. Why would he withhold anything else? So I pray that this Christmas that part of the gift that you're going to have is know that God is not withholding anything from you. God is, God is for you. Last truth here that I, I, I want to give to you. I'm praying that you have a no-abandonment Christmas. A no-abandonment Christmas. We, we can celebrate Christmas knowing that God is with us. God is with us. He's promised this. It's really what Christmas is all about. The last two verses of Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39 say this. 
For I am sure that what neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, since Jesus proved his love for us by his sufferings, our sufferings can't possibly separate us from him, no matter how difficult it gets. Now, friends, we're not guaranteed immunity from suffering or, or problems or temptation in this world. But here's, if you're in Christ, what you're guaranteed is victory. You're guaranteed a great victory because nothing will ever separate you from his love. You know, we're, we're not promised that suffering will never come on us, but we're, we're, we're promised that God's, from God that su- suffering will never separate us. Never separate us. Because nothing can separate us from his love. Now, this Christmas, most of us have already felt some level of separation. Separation from the normal celebrations that we go to. Separation from family that we can't see. We're experiencing lots of separation. Uh, And you're going to be tempted this Christmas to dwell on that. To let that become the focus, the, the temptation, to just think on that. And it'll rob you of joy. Here's what I'd encourage you to do when those thoughts come. Remember that nothing, nothing can separate you from, from God's love. God is with you. And that's what Christmas is really all about. Remember, the, 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 the angel came that first Christmas. In Matthew 1.23, it makes this statement. The angel says the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel means that it's a fact that that God is with you. God God is not, you know, it's not that it's just this, whether you feel him or not. God is with you. It's not a feeling, it's a fact. It's like marriage. There are going to be some days you're going to have a stronger feeling towards your spouse than other days. But no matter the feeling, the fact is you're still married. Jesus came into this world, and that is a fact. It's a fact that God is with you. He died on a cross to tell you, I love you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to put my spirit in you. He gave you the church to remind that we could remind one another that God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. So I, I want to encourage you to say those four words right now out loud with me. Whether you're in the room or online, I just want you to say out loud with me. God is with us. Say it out loud. God is with us. And just hang on to that truth. Cling, cling to that. And it, it will be a, a, a great Christmas. See, Jesus gave his followers a very special way to celebrate, not just Christmas, but our life in him, to celebrate his presence with us. And that, that special celebration is called communion. It's a time when we can remember the great sacrifices that Jesus made. One of those was leading heaven that first Christmas and coming to earth. It's a, it's a, a way that Jesus declared his great love for us. His promise to never leave us, to never forsake us. And we want to share in that celebration tonight as a way of remembering. Now, the Apostle Paul gave the believers at Corinth, the church there, instructions 
on how to participate in that celebration. And I want to I read Paul's instructions to us now. Paul writes these words to the church. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats this bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Now, I want to give some real simple instructions here for just a minute. Uh, Our praise team is going to lead us through a song that really is an opportunity for reflection. And so what I want to do is I want to encourage you to take these next moments to do what the Apostle Paul said God's people should do. We should examine our hearts. And so as, as we think about God's present with us, Examine your heart. Let the Holy Spirit search you out. Do, do work with God. Maybe there's sin in your life that you just need to confess before we come to uh, communion. Let me pray for us. Father, we, we come now believing that you are with us, that you are God, Emmanuel, come in the flesh. Speak to our hearts now. We surrender them to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
God is with us. He's here in this place. He's wherever you are if you are in Christ. Now, if you're here with us tonight or whether you're joining us um, online, I'm going to ask you if you would take your communion elements that you've readied and, uh, and open that first level, if you would, and remove the little wafer bread. Jesus gave us instructions as a way to celebrate his life, and he, he said this. He said, this is, this is my body, and it's given for you. Take and eat. Then Jesus took the cup of the covenant, and he said, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from it, all of you. Now, communion reminds us of that new covenant, that that better covenant, his covenant of grace. Christmas reminds us of his, of his coming. Now, I'm going to ask those of you who are going to be leading in our candle lighting to start making your way down. The prophet Isaiah foretold what, what that would be like it is coming. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep, deep darkness, on them a light has shone. And Jesus in John 8 said of himself, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Friends, Jesus is the light of life. We want to celebrate his presence with us. as we share that light with one another. They're going to come around and light your candles now.
Christmas, I want to give you a blessing. And this is the blessing I'm asking that God may give you a no condemnation, a no fear, a no despair, a no withholding, a no abandonment Christmas, and a very happy new year. God bless you, and Merry Christmas to you. You can...